0: CHAPTER Seven, THANKSGIVING DINNER Victor parked the car on the driveway because the garage floor area was cluttered with boxes and extension cords due to the decorating mission. "'Wow, it looks great, Uncle Harry and Aunt Susan. You put up all the lights since I left. I was only gone for an hour or so. You guys are fast,' said Victor." "'Your aunt was a great help, since she's fearless when it comes to heights. "'She was hanging off the eaves and bouncing the ladder over a few feet at a time. "'She was scaring the hell out of me,' Harry said. "'Hi, Lindsay. Don't you look beautiful tonight?' "'Hi, Mr. Hill. Thank you, as usual. "'This is my mom, Doris. Doris Dunn,' Lindsay replied. "'Hello, Doris. How very nice to meet you. My name is Harry.' he said as he took her frail hand into his and gently held it. "'How very nice to meet you, Harry. "'Thank you for inviting Lindsay and me to join you for dinner. "'That was very nice and much appreciated,' Doris said. "'Hi, Doris, I'm Susan, Harry's wife and the kid's aunt,' she said as she placed her hands on Doris's back and gently rubbed it. "Hi, Susan.' "'Nice to meet you as well. I was going to say that you two look nothing like Victor. Now it makes sense that you're his aunt and uncle,' Doris said. "'Mrs. Dunn, I don't look anything like my parents, either. As a baby, I was adopted from Uruguay, so I have Latin blood and steamy good looks,' Victor said and then laughed. "'Are your parents in the house?' Doris asked. "'Mom, I told you Victor's folks died last year.' Today is the anniversary of their passing, Lindsay said. But to answer your question, yes, they are in the house, Mrs. Dunn. They are always with us in spirit. So don't feel bad about asking, said Victor. I'm so sorry, Victor. I'm on quite a few meds, and the chemo has done a number on my ability to think straight these days. I do remember Lindsay telling me about your parents the first time she talked to me about you. "'It was an automobile accident, wasn't it?' Doris asked. "'Yes, ma'am, it was a car accident. "'Why don't we get you inside where it's a warmer "'and get you something to drink?' said Lindsay. "'That's a great idea. "'What would you like to drink, Doris? "'I have coffee, soft drinks, wine, tea?' asked Susan. "'I would love a double martini, vodka, not gin, "'light on the vermouth and stirred, not shaken.' James Bond was a fool for asking for his shaken martinis, bruises the booze, she answered. Susan looked at Lindsay as if to ask, "'Should she be drinking alcohol?' Lindsay nodded that it would be okay. "'Think we should start with a single martini, Mom, otherwise you'll be sleeping before the first course,' said Lindsay. "'Hell, if I had a double martini, I'd be sleeping before the first course, and I don't have cancer.' (laughs) "'said Harry, and as soon as he did, "'he wished that he could have taken it back into his mouth. "'Harry!' said Susan. "'Oh, leave him alone, Susan. "'He's right. "'I have stage four cancer, and I'm not winning the battle. "'I am the pink elephant in the room, so don't ignore me. "'I feel better talking about it. "'I'm glad Harry was so honest and open. "'I hate it when people dance around the reality of the situation,' "'said Doris.' As they made their way into the house, Harry and Susan looked at each other with sorrow in their hearts. They were both thinking the same thing. Victor had just lost his parents a year ago, and very shortly, he would have to be the support person for Lindsay when her mom passed. That's a lot for a seventeen-year-old boy to handle, but they both had faith in Victor to be strong for Lindsay." Harry was about to make Doris a martini, but then he thought it better to make a pitcher so he and Susan could have a drink as well. As Harry played mixologist, Susan, Caitlin, and Lindsay prepared the feast for consumption. A golden brown turkey was resting in the grill out on the deck, for it was indeed too large to fit inside the oven. Mashed potatoes, stuffing, yams, cranberry sauce, green bean casserole, Freshly-baked dinner rolls and several pies for dessert were perfectly set upon the most beautiful table setting in the formal dining room. Oh, what a stunning table setting. It's just beautiful. Who made the table favors and decorations? Asked Doris. As it turns out, Caitlin is quite the little artist. I was also impressed by the place settings and napkin decorations she created, you did such a good job at the table setting, Caitlin. Thank you, said Susan. You're welcome, Aunt Susan. It was fun. This whole day has been totally different than what I expected. It's been surprisingly nice, said Caitlin. I was going to say that considering this is the first anniversary of losing your parents, you kids are either doing remarkably well, or you're very good at hiding your true feelings from a sick old lady," said Doris. "Mum, let's not talk about that all day. There's only room enough in this house for one pink elephant at a time,' said Lindsay. "'No,' said Harry. "'Doris is right. They're doing very well, and we're very proud of them. We talked about it this morning at breakfast and agreed that, starting today, We would celebrate Rick and Karen's lives and focus on the good that they did and the joy that they brought us while they were here with us. Not that we wouldn't have our moments of sadness, but for now on, we would not let those moments undermine the memories of love and happy times. Bravo! Kids, let me tell you, Doris replied. Death is nothing to be afraid of. I believe that this life is only the beginning of many lives I will continue to experience. As Victor said earlier, your parents will always be with you, if only in spirit, but they will still be with you. The Mormons believe that angels always surround us. Some are spirits who have lived already, and some are spirits on their way to a physical body. Death is sad to those who remain behind. They miss those loved ones in this life and don't want to lose them. But you never really lose them. You'll see them again. I promise you that will happen. Thank you, Doris. That really makes me feel so much better, said Caitlin. Mom, I know we always talk about how you'll always be with me, but when you leave me, I'll be distraught and heartbroken. How will I... How will you go without me, Lindsay? You will live with my sister Louise in Omaha, and she will love you as I have, unconditionally. She is not only your aunt, she is your godmother, too. She will look after you in the physical world, but I will be right by your side, too. Don't you ever forget that, and you will see me again. I promise you will said Doris as she embraced her daughter and wiped the tears from her eyes. In silence, everyone realized just how special Doris was to Lindsay and the world. Her attitude and kindness were feelings you couldn't ignore even if you had tried. Doris would be missed very much when she passes, but they would all see her again eventually. Victor didn't say anything out loud, but was thinking, "'Omaha!' How would he survive without Lindsay? He depended upon her so much. How would he go without her? He would talk to Harry and Susan to see if they would accept Lindsay to stay with them at the Festive Lane home as an alternative to Omaha. Susan suggested that everyone be seated at the table while she and Harry brought out the remaining condiments and food items. As Harry set the pitcher of martinis on the table, and Susan placed two plates of butter on both ends of the table, Victor spoke up. "'I would like to say grace, if that would be okay with everyone,' he asked. "'Having you say a prayer of thanks would be great, Victor,' said Harry. "'Bless us, Lord, in these thy gifts, but let us recognize the gifts first, not just this magnificent meal upon the table, but the people placed at every edge of the table.' Thank God for Lindsay and her mother Doris. Having you here with us today is a great blessing, and we thank you for joining us. Thank God for Uncle Harry and Aunt Susan, whom without we would have nothing or be living in San Francisco with Dad's parents who we barely know. At first we were skeptical of moving to Lake Forest from the northwest side of the city, but now that we're here, things worked out pretty well. We still miss Mom and Dad so much, but Uncle Harry and Aunt Susan, you have accomplished the impossible, which would be getting Caitlin out of bed before ten AM. Hey, you are doing so well too, said Caitlin with a smile. I thank God for Rose, and it amazes me how grown up she's become in one short year, said Victor as he continued. But most of all, I thank God for you, Caitlin. Why me? Caitlin asked, as her eyes involuntarily filled with tears. Because my dear sister, without you I would be lost. I know that we fight, and I also know that you don't like me interfering with your love life, but I only do so because I worry about you. I worry about the ones I love, and I love you, Caitlin. With all my heart I do. Victor had surprised everyone at the table with his emotional and forthright admission of love and caring for his family. He was usually a young man of minimal words, but obviously, Rose was not the only sibling that had matured over the last year. Caitlin stood and embraced Victor as tears ran down her cheeks. Oh, you caught me off guard, dear brother. I love you too. I just wanted to point out the gifts we are thankful for today. With that being said, let me finish Grace with which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Said Victor. That was very well said, Victor. You surprised me, said Harry. You're surprised because you didn't think I would ever say anything like that or because you didn't think I had those feelings? Victor asked. To be honest, both. I didn't think you would ever open up like that, especially in front of a group. Have you been listening to my Dale Carnegie CDs again? Asked Harry with a smile. No, but I know that you have to practice, 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 and get to this hall, Victor replied. Actually, Victor, that would be a different Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, the writer, was a very distant cousin of Andrew Carnegie, the industrialist who paid for the construction of Carnegie Hall, said Doris. Damn, and I was on a roll, replied Victor, feeling a wee bit stupid. It's okay, Victor. That's how you learn. I was a teacher for over 30 years. I have to admit that history was my favorite subject to teach, said Doris. Where did you teach, Doris? asked Susan as she passed a plate of turkey to Lindsay. I began my teaching career at Weber High School in Chicago. It was a boys-only Catholic school run by Jesuit priests. I taught history and government there for about five years. After that, I had completed my Ph.D. and moved on to teaching at Northwestern University in Evanston. I retired after twenty-six years, a couple years ago, Doris replied. Sounds like a wonderful career. I don't mean to pry, but was Lindsay's father also an educator? asked Harry. Don't be silly, Harry. You aren't prying. I enjoy talking about my life. She replied and continued, My husband, George, Lindsay's father, was a teacher at Weber High when I was there. He taught biology. He was a real science nerd for the most part. Unfortunately, he died when Lindsay was only four years old. He was struck by lightning. Could you please pass the stuffing, Victor? Oh my God, what are the odds of that? asked Victor. Based on the population at the time, the number of people struck by lightning,
1: the odds were about
0: one in a million, Doris stated. Wow, you are an endless source of information. I wish you could have been my teacher, Victor replied. Sometimes I feel the knowledge I do have is useless. Knowing who invented the xylophone doesn't help much when battling cancer, she replied. Did you have any time to enjoy your retirement from teaching, before getting ill? Susan asked. No, I retired because I was diagnosed with cancer and began treatments. I couldn't teach and deal with chemo and radiation treatments simultaneously, so I retired, replied Doris. What kind of cancer do you have, Doris? Harry asked. I have stage 4 bladder cancer, with a very low 5-year survival rate of less than 15%. So I have made my peace with God, family, and Lindsay. I've also put my affairs in order, so Lindsay and my sister do not have to deal with that after I'm gone. Mom, can we talk about something else? Asked Lindsay. Sorry, honey, I forget how difficult this is for you. Okay. Since I feel quite good today, let's have a slice of that pumpkin pie for dessert. I will pay for eating this fantastic food and drinking these martinis regardless, so let's go for it, Doris proclaimed. Lindsay smiled and passed a slice of pie to her mom. Harry and his family were still going back for seconds on food and drink. Separate conversations started between Lindsay and Victor, Doris and Susan, and Harry and Rose. Caitlin observed the unique level of joy and happiness at the table and had never thought these feelings would exist. After all, it was the one-year anniversary of Rick and Karen's death, and Doris would be dying soon. So why the hell is everyone so happy? She concluded the feelings resulted from having had the opportunity to have known Mom and Dad and Doris while they were living. Not ever having the chance to know them would have been a tragedy evoking sadness and despair, but celebrating their lives would bring a smile to anyone's face. A few weeks later, Susan received a call from her attorney about the custody case. Rick's parents had decided to withdraw their custody filing due to health issues. They no longer felt they were in the best state of health to care for three children properly. The kids were now in the custody, of Harry and Susan Hill